Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm thrilled and honored to have my colleague and friend, Dr. Tara Boyd, join us on today's podcast. And Dr. Tara Boyd is a board-certified naturopathic physician with a passion for tackling the toughest cases head-on. Her 15-plus years of experience in physical healing modalities has uniquely trained her to serve a patient population that has seen a rise in conditions that were once rare. With this in mind, she has shaped her practice with a focus on pediatric neurology and chronic conditions including autism spectrum disorder, PANS, PANDAS, ADD, ADHD, epilepsy, etc. And she knows that no single approach is the right for every individual, so she's been trained in a range of modalities including autonomic response testing, herbal medicine, homeopathy, nutrition, psychokinesiology, neurotherapy, canine hypotherapy, craniosacral, visceral manipulation, and more. And no matter uh, what the person or pathology that walks through her door, her goal is simple, to educate and empower her patients to find lifelong health and vitality. So please enjoy my podcast today with Dr. Tara Boyd. Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm thrilled and honored to have my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Tara Boyd, join us today. And welcome, Dr. Tara. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Ah, Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would love my community to get to know you more. And we've been working alongside each other now for six years, seven years, eight years. (laughs) (laughs) Around seven and a half. Yeah. Yeah, seven and a half years. So yeah, I know I've lost track of time, but it's just been such a joy uh, getting to know you over these seven and a half years and see you become and continue to evolve into this amazing naturopathic physician. So I'm really excited for people to learn just your journey and the work that you do and everything that allowed you to become the doctor that you are today. So we'll we'll dive in. Many um, people that I interview often have a story that really led them to their passion and their purpose and the really the why they why I interview them to begin with. And so just uh, for people who are getting to know you, can you share a little bit about what led you to become a naturopathic physician? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was actually kind of a long journey because um, I started saying I wanted to be a doctor when I was three years old, apparently. I don't remember that, but that's the story. But I do know that I always wanted to be a doctor and I went through many phases of what kind of doctor at one point when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon, things like that. But then I actually tore my ACL cheerleading when I was 16 years old um, and had to have surgery and then had to go to physical therapy. So here I was thinking I wanted to be a surgeon. I was going to go to college, be a surgeon. And then I fell in love with physical therapy. My physical therapist was brilliant and we had a lot of fun together. And then getting to see what she did with her hands and how she was helping the body to heal structurally kind of spearheaded my my love for all things physical medicine. So by the time that I was graduating high school, I had decided that that's what I was going to do. And then I just kind of, I guess, wasn't really ready for college right out of high school. So I ended up going to massage therapy school thinking this was a way for me to dive in to um, this physical healing modality without having to go through all of the years of, of university just yet. So I became a massage therapist at 20 years old and I worked for four years as a massage therapist and didn't actually start college until I was 24. And by that time, I had come full circle and I'm back to, I wanted to be a physician and I was pre-med and I was going to be a surgeon. What was interesting was by the time that I was graduating and I had taken my MCAT and was going to go to med school, 
my cousin's husband was actually in medical school and we were having some conversations with each other and my years as a massage therapist had, I realized had kind of changed the way I thought of health and wellness and what he was learning in allopathic medical school was not really resonating with me anymore. And so I went back to thinking I wanted to be a physical therapist, became a physical therapy tech just to try it out for a while and decided that wasn't really where I wanted to be. And I didn't know at that time, I knew I still wanted to do medicine, but I had no idea how I could kind of combine what my thoughts on kind of natural healing with medicine. And so I just started Googling and looking it up and found naturopathic medicine. And as soon as I started reading about it, I was like, that is it. That's what I've been thinking in my head. I just had no idea it fully existed. And yeah, I applied to Bastyr and got in. So like within three months, we were moving to Seattle. Yeah, no, the, the, I, you know, I knew that story, but probably not the exact timeline. And, um, you know, naturopathic medicine, right, it somehow finds us or somehow we know it exists before we realize it did. Um, and that I, people who are in our community or naturopaths have, I just love learning the stories of how we all came to this medicine. And it's often after careful, you know, thought and insight and kind of that internal um, conflict of we want to help people, but we want to do it in a different way, right? And so I'm really glad you followed your heart and went to Bastyr. And so, you know, through your journey at Bastyr, you know, we get exposed to so many things, right? So we get right. exposed to, you know, different ways of incorporating naturopathic medicine, whether it's primary care or chronic illness. And I know I met you when you were a student at Bastyr. And so I know that we connected on so many different ways, but you had this already, I think, already being very hands-on and being a massage therapist and obviously having this PT background, you were drawn to the healing arts of physical medicine. And can you just share where that journey took you while you were in school? learning that part of the medicine? Because I, I still think um, and what I love about your practice is that you bring this into all patient care, these modalities that I think are still um, really overlooked and underestimated still. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, of course, at Best Year, our physical medicine uh, track, um, which is a huge piece to naturopathic medicine. And I don't know if everyone's aware of that, but every naturopath learns different types of manipulation that's kind of osteopathic manipulation and different types of hydrotherapy and, and all different types of stuff and laser techniques. And so we all learned that, but I just remember in one of our first physical medicine classes, learning for the first time about Father Sebastian Kneipp, who is a German priest who was in like the kind of mid to late 1800s. I think he actually passed away in the late, like in the 1890s, but he was healing people back then. And I just remember reading this story about him curing people of tuberculosis with cold water applications. And it struck me so hard of just like, we can literally go out into the forest, out into, you know, the wilderness and still be able to help people through a healing journey through just what is on the earth and through water alone. And so I really started focusing into hydrotherapy as a huge piece of my learning journey. Um, and actually with a few fellow classmates of mine, we were actually given a venture grant. We had to submit a proposal and all that kind of stuff, but we were given a venture grant to actually be able to go to Germany and study at the Kneipp 
shul is what they call it, the Knipe School. So in a little town in Bavaria called Bad Verishoven, we actually got to go and spend a few weeks with uh, Dr. Nancy Welliver, who's one of our naturopathic elders, and actually learn from the school that was created from him. And we actually got to stay at the Sebastianum, which was the um, the monastery, but is now a, a, a hotel with doctors and everything where they do all different types of water therapy. And so I still, I thoroughly believe that we can, um, through water, actually drive people's health um, really greatly. Um, and I've seen that with our patients over the years, um, that when we actually add in that, that component of, um, you know, daily or weekly hydrotherapy applications, our patients actually get better faster. So, yeah. And then I also studied some spa medicine in, in Iceland. It was the same trip, but we made a stop off in Iceland and did learn a lot of like sauna therapy and hot and cold and very cold <laughs> in Iceland. So, yeah. So I still, I mean, that's one of my, my passions. And then I, I also, um, because of the physical medicine, studied a lot of um, craniosacral and visceral manipulation as well. So again, just these hands-on therapies and applications that can be used that really, I think, benefit a lot of, a lot of our patients. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so glad that you felt drawn to all of those things and went to learn them on a deep honor level. And I feel that, you know, when our patients come to us, a lot of them have tried a lot of things and they've done a lot of things and sometimes bringing them back to these foundational pieces, they, they are so surprised how that can really move them and create momentum in their health. And so can you share maybe like one or two things that you often put in your treatment plans that kind of incorporate this medicine or this uh, water application? Yeah, absolutely. I give to every single one of my new patients, I give my sauna protocol. Um, and this is actually a protocol that I learned while in Germany. Um, so it's the way the Germans sauna. And one of the great things is that we have a ton of literature actually coming out of Finland, um, showing that people who sauna at least three times a week live on average about five years longer. And the more you sauna, the longer you live. And then they also, they start taking their children into the sauna when they're infants. And so that also changed my mind around heat and, and when can the body tolerate heat and also times and durations and um, degrees of heat. According to the Germans, the sauna should be as hot as you possibly can get it, but you're not supposed to actually stay in for very long. The great thing about sauna is that when you start sweating in the first five to 10 minutes is when you actually are going to sweat out the most of your toxins. After that, you're still going to get out some, but you're also going to be losing a lot of electrolytes and things of that nature. The way that I like to do it, which is also the way that I learned in Germany, is that you go in until you start sweating, you sweat for five to 10 minutes, you get out, breathe a little cool air, and then you do a really quick 30 second to one minute cold shower and you rinse off and then you rest for five minutes and then you repeat it two more times. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, it also is training your autonomic nervous system, training your vasculature and all of that. And it's also modulating the immune system. So that's something I give to all my patients because I think it can be very, very, very beneficial. The thing with some of our patients is because they're so sensitive, they may not can tolerate a lot of the sauna. So I also will talk to them and kind of tailor that to different patients on how long they're really going to do it, how high is the heat going to be and how often. And it may just be that we start off with once every couple of weeks, you do a quick little sauna. But yes, I think that is an application that is extremely beneficial. 
And this is not necessarily a water application, but I do have most of my patients do castor oil packs as well. So that's another physical um, topical application, but castor oil can be a little bit detoxing, but it can also be greatly anti-inflammatory. And so I do have a lot of my patients do castor oil to their, um, their abdomen and especially to their liver a couple times a week. So that's something that's in a lot of, a lot of my treatment protocols. I love that. We both love castor oil. And I think that's also such a great reminder of like how to do that circuit with Asana, because as you're sharing this experience, I'm remembering all of the, you know, my experiences of that really natural high you get when you really alternate hot and cold and how you just feel so clear headed, your body feels so alive. And a lot of our patients, right, have autonomic dysfunction and their autonomic nervous system is having a hard time communicating. So again, it, it can be complicated, but we can also bring it back to, you know, simple techniques and tools to restore regulation uh, within the system. And so I know people might be thinking, okay, like what kind of sauna, Dr. Terry, should I get into? So um, just if you could just share some of your thoughts on type of sauna or does it even matter? <laughs> so in, in truth, it doesn't fully matter <laughs> um, because it's really more about the heat and the sweating. However, infrared saunas, especially full spectrum that have both near and far infrared. There's some really compelling research on different metals that you will actually get out of the body, different toxins that you will actually get out of the body with infrared that is maybe a little bit deeper and a little bit more necessary for um, a lot of our patients who are really, really sick. But whenever I give my sauna protocol, I always say it doesn't, this can be applied to dry sauna, steam sauna, infrared, whatever. The people of Finland, they do the saunas where it's like, it's really hot and dry. And then they'll go and pour water over the coals and then it gets all steamy and it's actually difficult to be in there for very long. It's so hot. Um, they're not really doing the the infrared saunas so much. So, and that's where the majority of our research is coming from. So in all honesty, it doesn't fully matter to modulate the immune system, train the autonomic nervous system. But if you're truly going for deeper level of detox, I think the infrared is the way to go. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So something that you have been so passionate about and that you uh, continue to bring into uh, the clinic and where we practice together at Eminence Health, you have us doing constitutional hydrotherapy. So can you share what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So constitutional hydrotherapy is, um, it's a really great way, another modulating of the immune system, things of that nature, but it's, it's supposed to be, um, healing and training the entire constitution of the body. So that's where the name comes from. But it's a series of hot and cold applications to the torso. It will be on the front and the back, hot, wet towels, and then cold, wet towels with a little bit of an electrical stimulation in a sine wave. And you'll the pads get placed at a certain level on the back and then later transabdominally, so on the back and the front to um, have that current go through the abdomen. And it's really, it's helping to contract not only skeletal muscle, but also smooth muscle. So it can really help with lung health, definitely helps with digestive health and the health of the colon. It works really well in succession. So the more times that you do it, the more of a benefit you get. And I've seen all kinds of different issues actually get helped with this, especially constipation. And actually one of our administrative staff reminded me yesterday of a patient that that I had um, a couple of years ago who we we basically fixed her her constipation with constitutional hydrotherapy. She'd been constipated for over a decade and constitutionals fix it. So things like that are amazing. 
Um, and then I'm always reminded with the constitutional of a story from one of our elders who actually had a patient come in with a severe MRSA infection, who was one of the types of patients that we sometimes have that refused to go to the hospital. And so she had to just do what she could naturally. Um, and of course, she did some herbs and other things, but she did constitutionals every six hours for several days. And she ended up, the MRSA ended up, you know, remedying with uh, her treatments. So I still hold that in my mind too, of remember to trust the medicine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. And yeah, it's like, again, where we obviously connect in so many ways, the premise that the, the body is innately intelligent, and we just really always have to look and understand what are the roadblocks to that person's physiology being able to self-regulate and heal, right? And sometimes we don't have the answers, but if we support body's ability through constitutional hydrotherapy and the body's ability to regulate and create more circulation and blood flow, like things get better. Right. And so I, I love that. I love that story. You see a lot of different patients and you see patients from children to adults. And so can you just talk a little bit for people who are getting to know you, like, you know, who are the patients that you see in your practice? Really, patients of all ages. My passion is children. Um, my passion has always been children. And when I went into Bastyr, I thought I was going to be a naturopathic primary care pediatrician. Then I met you and started working with you and um, started seeing the massive need um, for children with complex chronic illness, especially with autism and pans and pandas, ADD and ADHD. And so a huge bulk of my patient population are children. And I love working with the kids and their parents. And it's, a, it's really beautiful when you see a child who's struggling and then you see them, you know, months later and, and they're, they're living their, their best little lives. Beautiful. But I also do see adults because, um, you know, after studying with you and, and others, I learned about persistent Lyme disease and did a residency around that and stuff. And so I do see adults of all ages with persistent Lyme, complex chronic illness, especially neurologic conditions. So the brain is one of my big passions as well in both children and adults. So, you know, seeing a lot of MS, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, those types of things are, are also a, a big piece of my patient population. No, I, I think that's great. And for those who are listening, where we connect in so many ways, of course, again, but we see, you know, the children are getting sicker and sicker, right? We see, unfortunately, this rise in chronic illness in our children today. And so can you just share some of the common themes you see in children who are diagnosed on the spectrum or, as you said, have ADHD or, you know, we also see this increased sensitivity with this rise in all of these allergies and reactivity to the environment. So can you just share a little bit of the themes that you see are some of the underlying causes of why our children are so sick today? Um, yeah, and it's it's really unfortunate. I mean, it is true that these generations of young ones that are that are children and also just being born are actually sicker than the older generations. This is the first time in history that this has been documented that the generations, the younger generations, are actually getting sicker and sicker. And so we're not moving in the direction we used to be moving. Where you know, with medical advances, we every generation actually had better health. We are, we're now regressing. And I think personally and professionally, I think that there's a lot of reasons to that. I think that our world is being polluted in a lot of ways. Um, our water is being polluted. I mean, the amounts of heavy metals that are being found in our water supply, also traces of all of these pharmaceutical drugs that end up in our water supply. And then 
than the massive amounts of fluoride that's in our water supply as well. And this is not natural fluoride from fluorite rock. This is actually nuclear waste fluoride that has been that's being added to the water. And Harvard actually did a, a study on that showing that there was a link to the amount of fluoride in the water of cities and the amount of autism in the cities. Now, where that's gone, I don't know why that hasn't like come out and, and started to be remedied. I'm not sure. But that, you know, and even with the amount of pesticides that we spray on our food and that floats around in the air and it's, you know, wind carries it. And so we breathe a lot of that in. So we have all of these pesticides and herbicides as well that that actually come from poisons, um, different types of poisonous chemicals that were used in war, but way back in the 1900s, right? So, um, and those are being sprayed on our food and then are floating around in our air. And so that's also an issue. So we have, you have some toxic food, you have toxic water. So things that you think are nourishing you and healing to you can, can actually be, be toxic. So, and they're very toxic to a little growing brain. And these things cross across the placental barrier. So mom is ingesting them. They cross into and across the placental barrier. So the baby, as it's, you know, developing in the womb is even getting, getting this before it's even out in the world. Also, um, there's been, what it seems to me a rash of mold and mycotoxins in the world as well. And I, I see this a lot where the parents were living in a home that ended up flooding the basement and got mold and all this type of stuff and then got pregnant and mycotoxins will also across the placenta. That can also be an issue. And then I see that too, with these kids coming in who maybe are resistant to treatment that no matter what we do, they're just not getting better. I often find that there's mold in the home that's keeping their histamines really high, um, which keeps inflammation in the body and keeps inflammation in the brain as well. And so that's a huge, a huge piece. I usually find that there's also some sort of little infectious piece. A lot of times mom or dad were bit by a tick or bit by a spider. And so there was a little infection that came in and that can also play a role into what's happening in the brains of the kids. And then usually there is a little bit of a genetic variant that basically is blocking detox pathways. So their phase two detox pathways aren't really working in their liver and stuff. And so they're not able to clear a lot of these toxins, which most of us seem to be doing fairly well. Our livers are functioning fairly well. And so all of that stuff in our environment that might might lead a, a child to become on the spectrum or have ADHD or any of those types of things didn't happen to us because our liver was able to clear it. Not that we didn't have some other issues, but our livers were able to clear. And so there wasn't this massive buildup in the body that then crossed into the blood-brain barrier. So I see a lot of that, but I am seeing across the board, children and adults, more and more people being just extremely um, sensitive and having just having these huge histamine flares. And I think that there's a lot of, a lot of reasons for that, but I think a huge piece is, is again, just maybe a lowering of the immune system, lowering of clearance through the liver um, and allowing these mold and mycotoxins to use some heavy metals and then the immune system tries to go after it and it doesn't really know what it's doing. So it overdoes everything. And then you have huge flares. 
Yeah, that's an excellent overview. And there's so many things we're bombarded with right now, right? The human body is so resilient, but there's the point, right? That we're just some little bodies, right? Can't handle that stress. And so we have to support them as much as possible. And so from, you know, I I know um, you highly individualize your treatment plans for those patients that you see. Um, But for some people who just like listen to all of that and were like, oh my God, where do I start? What are, what can I even do, you know, today? Are there like a couple tips that you can share to help people? to feel empowered, especially if they have a kiddo at home that is struggling. I I think one of the best things to do, so I always talk about obstacles to cure. And one of the best things that you can do that doesn't cost you a ton of money, you don't have to go see a bunch of doctors and spend a bunch of money on supplements. But one of the best things you can do is just start to clean up the environment. So something else that I give to all my new patients is a whole list. I start with home health and mitigating mold toxins, water filtration systems, electromagnetic radiation mitigation, all of these types of things. And so, you know, making sure your living environment is clean, that your food is as clean as possible. So really shouldn't be eating any processed foods, trying to make sure as much of it is organic as you possibly can, trying to make sure you're not ingesting any food allergies or anything like that, that might be a food intolerance and then cleaning up your water. So water should be highly filtered um, and a Brita pitcher isn't going to do it. Um, but their whole house reverse osmosis systems, there's the Berkey filter, which I love. So making sure that the food you're eating is clean and the water you're drinking is clean. And then also just making sure, um, again, that the air that you're breathing in the area that you live the most, which is your home, is as clean as possible. So, um, you know, I always want to make sure that we've tested the home for mold, make sure there's no active tons of mold growing in the home. Um, You can also get HEPA air filters in the home, which can help to clean the air. We have now clean food, clean water, clean air. And then one of the main things that I have seen, and this is kind of a common denominator theme that I've seen from a child go on the spectrum to neurotypical, is reducing the amount of electromagnetic radiation in their home to as low as we possibly can in the world that we live in today. And that includes etherneting instead of Wi-Fi, you know, making sure that there's no cell phones on in their room while they're sleeping at night, you know, different things like that, um, that can actually really help. So, so really thinking of those obstacles to cure and what can you just change or eliminate and that can vastly change someone's, someone's health. And especially when you have little growing brains, you want them to be exposed to as little as possible of all of these things, because as their brains are growing and developing, they're going to be taking on more and more of this, and it can start to alter the different functionalities of the different parts of the brain. Yeah, I know that that's great. And again, empowering and I want to land on something because people who are listening might, this might be even a new idea that um, you have seen and worked with kiddos who have been on the spectrum to what we would consider neurotypical. And so just maybe your experience with that and kind of painting that picture of hope and what's possible for people who might not know that is possible. Absolutely. It is possible. I, I get this question a lot. Like, do you actually see kids get better. Do you, you know, who are on the spectrum? Um, and honestly, I wouldn't continue to do this work if I didn't see that because that would just be depressing, but absolutely. I've seen many kids go from, um, on the spectrum to neurotypical. And at the very least we see great gains. You know, if the kiddos come to us when they're already teenagers, sometimes we don't get to full neurotypical, but we see huge gains and a lot of 
standard just life functionality come back. But when the kids come to us when they're really young, we see a lot of children be able to become fully neurotypical. Now with with children who are on the spectrum, their blood-brain barrier is tends to be a little bit leaky. So you do always want to be careful um, with just, you know, not thinking like, yay, they're better and now let's go eat McDonald's. So you'd want to be careful of that. But no, absolutely. And we do a variety of treatments in, in order to, to get there. But the way that practice here at Eminence is that we we tailor all of our therapies to every individual. And we're looking at a whole litany of different types of exams and history taking and all of that to determine what's what's actually happening with the kids. But then that tailoring is going to be, you know, there's always going to be some piece that's going to be the diet, some piece that's going to be cleaning up the home and then, you know, some herbs and supplements. And then also that whole physical medicine piece and physical modalities have a lot of parents end up, you know, being able to do things with the kids from liver compressions to castor oil packs to, you know, different types of laser therapies. And then that's also, I think, a really great bonding for the parent and child too, when the parent is so involved in the child's healing. Great insight. And again, the thing that we have um, working for us, there's so many things, but you know, the kiddos, right? They're full of vitality. They're full of life and their body really is doing everything possible to heal with your help, of course. Tara, I know that you and I love learning and we're both really passionate about learning and we realize like, okay, we know this now, but you know, we're going to know so much even in six months and a year. And so just maybe share with people, like, what are you most excited about learning? I know that you've been to some new conferences and, you know, if there's anything that you're just like really diving in and feeling like, wow, this is like the next thing that we need to embrace. So I I decided this year to start a MAPS Fellow. It's an organization for pediatric special needs. It's a ton of doctors from all walks of life and nurse practitioners. So MDs, DOs, NDs, nurse practitioners. Um, And everyone's like trying to be on the forefront and cutting edge. So the amount of information that comes in from those conferences is actually really, really great. I am really, really excited though to start focusing... um, We have in the clinic um, a tool called the AO scan. Um, And so this is more looking at frequencies and energetics. And I'm finding more and more and more that the kids really respond because their nervous system, unlike adults where we, I mean, the nervous system is still going at all times, but we get a little bit more stiff. We're not quite as spongy, (laughs) Um, but the kids who their nervous system and their neuroplasticity is just, their connections are just constant. And I'm finding more that the frequencies and the um, energetics are really resonating with the kids and, and I'm, I'm seeing some good results. So I'm really excited about kind of bringing back, you know, we think this is new medicine, but we're actually bringing back concepts that are are very old about them, you know, using these types of frequencies. So I think that's what I'm most excited about at this point. Yeah, no, I love that. I know Anne Marie had a little, you know, the first time she got sick really like um, this week. And so I did the AO scan with her and I had her listen to her music and she was like, so happy about it. And she was better, like, so quickly after that, there's something really amazing about that technology, especially Mm -hmm. for the kids. So no, that's awesome. Well, Tara, how can people, you know, work with you and how can people, you know, find you? I'll have all the information, of course, in the show notes, but I just, yeah, I want you to be able to share, um, yeah, how people can connect with you. 
I'm very happily working with you at Eminence Health, and we are located in Queen Anne, which is in Seattle, Washington. Um, and so people can work with me either in person or even through distance and through telemedicine. So um, I work with people in, in both ways that way. And so basically you just, you'll contact Eminence Health and you'll, um, you'll speak with one of our, our scheduling staff. We do with the kids. I usually do um, a first phone call. If you're, even if you're coming in person, I usually do a phone call with the parents first, um, just because our visits can be, you know, two hours. And a lot of times the kids, they cannot hang out in a room for two hours. (laughs) So I do a lot of times a first phone call and then an office visit where we, we do our own, um, different types of testing. So we do a a type of testing called ART. That's basically how we tailor our protocols. Um, And we can do that both in office and we can also do that um, through telemedicine um, from a distance. And then we'll just have follow-ups and people either follow up with me in person. So even if they travel to see me um, in person, a lot of times our follow-ups are through phone calls or or through the distance um, because a lot of our patients um, don't actually live in the the state of Washington. And so a lot of those follow-ups are are from a distance. Great. Great. We'll have all of that information again in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. You gave all people some amazing things to think about. And I got to learn some things about you that I didn't know either. So um, again, it's always a joy connecting with you, Tara. And um, again, I'm just so honored to work with you. And we have this feeling within the office that you know, I often say, right, faster alone, but farther together that we really create team together. And we really do believe that together and that we can change this paradigm of medicine so that we can help more people um, like the kids who uh, so desperately need the answers so that they can um, re-engage with life and fully recover from the things that they're struggling. So thank you. Thank you for being here. And again, we'll have all the information about Dr. Tara and how to connect with her in the show notes. And until next time, thank you. Thanks for having me, Christine. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Dr. Tara Boyd. Please find more about her in the show notes. And if you're interested in becoming a new patient, please check out eminencehealth.com where she's accepting new patients. Thank you and have a beautiful day.